Welcome to the UTG at Work podcast. I'm Deacon Mike Houghton. I'm the Executive Director and Apostolate Call, UTG at Work. Our mission is to help women and men joyfully live their faith and witness to Christ in the gospel in the workplace. I'm happy to be with you as we explore the Sunday gospel in ways that help people who work. You can find this podcast as well as helpful articles, videos, and other materials on our website, which is utgatwork.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting sites. This weekend, we celebrate the sixth Sunday in Ordinary Time, and our gospel is a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. A leper came to Jesus and kneeling down begged him and said, If you wish, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, touched him, and said, I do will it. Be made clean. The leprosy left him immediately, and he was made clean. Then, warning him sternly, he dismissed him at once. He said to him, See that you tell no one anything, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses prescribed. That will be proof for them. The man went away and began to publicize the whole matter. He spread the report abroad so that it was impossible for Jesus to enter a town openly. He remained outside in deserted places, and people kept coming to him from everywhere. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The leper in today's gospel was clearly excited about his miraculous cure. With a simple touch of his hand, Jesus wiped away a disease that had no known cure in his time. Leprosy was more than just a physical ailment in the time of Jesus. It brought with it a sentence of isolation from healthy people. Because it was so contagious, people who had the disease were forced to live in leper colonies outside of town, and when they saw healthy people coming toward them, they were forced to yell out, unclean, so that no one would dare get too close. We can assume that the man in today's gospel was so full of gratitude for being healed that he couldn't wait to tell others about it. And so, even though Jesus specifically asked him not to tell anyone, he talked openly about it. The irony of his gratitude is that he enacted a sort of switching of roles between himself and Jesus. Before his cure, he was isolated and Jesus moved about freely. But after he told everyone about what had happened, it was Jesus who became isolated and the man was able to move about freely. Without question, before his cure, the man with leprosy would have felt discouragement. His condition was incurable and he was doomed to live in a leper colony for the rest of his days. He could never again be with family, friends, and loved ones who had meant so much to him before he became ill. But once he was cured, he was full of gratitude. He was so full that he couldn't keep quiet about it. One could say that after his cure, he developed an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude is one of the six good habits that Archbishop Vigneron calls out in his pastoral letter, Unleash the Gospel. He says this, the best antidote to discouragement is to praise God continually for who he is and to thank him for what he has done. We thank you, God. We give you thanks. We call upon your name. We declare your wonderful deeds. Gratitude puts us in a right posture before God and opens us to his further work in our lives. But in truth, it would be an oversimplification to say that the cured leopard took an attitude of gratitude. In fact, it might even be misleading. You see, it's easy to be grateful when we get what we want. And while it's true that there are some people who simply are too selfish to be grateful, the vast majority of people, from Christians to atheists, are grateful for the good things bestowed upon them. No, the real test of an attitude of gratitude is being grateful even when things aren't going your way. Notice then in the definition of what an attitude of gratitude means, the Archbishop says, The best antidote to discouragement 
is to praise God continually for who he is and to thank him for what he's done. He doesn't say that the best approach to being given what we desire is an attitude of gratitude. No, he says that it's the best cure for discouragement. Discouragement is part of life for everyone. Some have more of it, some have less, but we all have things that drag us down, that bring us to a dark place where sometimes we just can't see a way out. But even in our darkest moments, it's possible to praise God because he is God of all that is and was and ever shall be, and because without him, we don't even exist. And we can thank him for what he's done because we have all these good things in our life which we sometimes fail to see in our darkest moments. Now, that doesn't mean that we skip and whistle our way through the valley of darkness. No, gratitude simply means that we understand and appreciate what's good, even amidst what may be very bad. Consider the example of our Savior, Jesus Christ. At the Last Supper, when he knew full well that he was going to be arrested and brutally killed, what did he do? We read in Luke, while they were eating, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, and they all drank from it. Was Jesus happy about his predicament? Of course he wasn't. But he loved his Father enough to give thanks, even amidst his turmoil. For the past six weeks, we've been talking about the six good habits in a very intentional way, with these podcasts, articles on our website, and videos all related to one of the six good habits each week. We finish this effort with this podcast on an attitude of gratitude, and this is a good way to finish, because it ends up being a sort of a result of the other five. The best way to begin the journey to gratitude is to have confidence in God, to truly believe that he will bring us through the dark times. Once we're convinced that God is going to be with us, we can find the courage to be docile to whatever the Holy Spirit asks of us. And from that confidence and docility, we can find an easier path to apostolic boldness, a spirit of innovation, and a spirit of cooperation as we go about bringing the good news to others. When all of these are in place, we can be grateful for the many wonderful things that God has given us, even when times aren't so good. But now it's time for a reality check. After all, I'm always frustrated when I hear a homily or a podcast where the message is unrealistic, or unachievable. So let's be honest. Embracing all of these six good habits is not easy to do, especially in the workplace. I can say without hesitation that I never had an attitude of gratitude when the bell rang at 6 a.m. on Monday morning and the assembly line painfully started moving forward or the stamping presses started punching out sheet metal. And when they didn't start moving at 6 a.m. is even more disheartening. So I get it. You're probably thinking that these six good habits make sense. But in my life, and in my circumstances, they're not feasible. My boss is a jerk. My company fights to keep any hint of the faith out of the workplace. I feel like I'm the only Christian at work who even cares about this stuff. If you feel that way, you're not alone. I lived it for many years in my secular career. But at some point, and it was admittedly later in my career than I would have hoped, I realized that I was letting the world around me determine my attitude toward my faith, rather than allowing my faith to determine my attitude toward the world around me. Let me repeat that, because I'm not sure it can sink in for you in just a few seconds when it took me years to figure it out. At some point, I realized that the circumstances in which I found myself were limiting my faith, rather than letting my faith drive my response to my circumstances. And for me, this was true at work more so than anywhere else. I felt like every workday I had to check my faith at the door and be the cog in the wheel that my work culture wanted me to be. I felt like I was just a roll of sheet metal that the stamping press was going to form into whatever shape the company wanted that day. 
and there was no attitude of gratitude there. In fact, what I felt very often was a sense of resignation. I was a cradle Catholic who believed in God and checked all the boxes for faith. I prayed. I read the Bible. I truly believed that God was able to do anything. But I didn't take the next step of believing that God could act in my life and in my circumstances. Sure, Jesus could cure the sick and bring the dead back to life, but there was no way he could impact my pathetically two-faced plant manager. But God in his great mercy showed me that I needed to let my two-faced plant manager be whatever he was going to be. That was between him and God. My role as a disciple was to have confidence that God was going to lead me where he wanted me to go. And there was a sort of surrendering that went on in my life. It wasn't easy, and it wasn't quick. But eventually, I turned it over to God and said, Okay, God, you take the wheel and drive. And that's when things got so much better for me. I never had the career that I had dreamed of on my first day of work, but I came to realize that it didn't matter. That career wasn't what God had in mind for me. And when I let God lead, I began to be much more comfortable in my job, and I found a peace that allowed me to be more grateful for what I had. That attitude of gratitude was attractive to others. They saw that I had something that was much more important than work, and they were drawn to it. And in the break rooms and at after-work parties, I realized that I was actually surrounded by other people of faith who felt the same way that I did. And I thought to myself, why is this happening to so many good people? Why do we feel like we have to check our faith at the door every time we come to work when so many of us find comfort and peace in living our faith at work? Over time, this kernel of thought germinated in me until I had to do something about it. And this homily has gone on long enough that I won't go any deeper into that story than to say that over the course of about six years, I was blessed to form UTG at Work to help people see what it took far too long for me to see. My friends, we don't start living our faith at work with an attitude of gratitude. That would be nothing more than a patronizing effort that God would see through immediately. We achieve an attitude of gratitude by first having confidence in God and eventually embracing the other good habits. And gratitude will flow from it. And when we get to that point, we can find ways to live our faith and witness to Christ and the gospel, even at 6 a.m. on a Monday morning when the assembly line wakes up and starts to crawl forward. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. And don't let your circumstances dictate how you will live your faith at work. Instead, allow your faith to dictate how you will approach each and every workday. And then, allow an attitude of gratitude to slowly work its way into your life as you become the disciple that God wants you to be. Thanks for joining me for this week's UTG at Work podcast. I look forward to meeting again next week. In the meantime, I encourage you to boldly live your faith in the workplace in the week ahead. I'll pray for your success, and I ask that you pray for the success of this UTG at Work apostolate. If you want to learn more about us, please visit utgatwork.org. Now go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life.